Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to spring, it feels like, right? So glad that you guys have joined us uh, here at South Suburban. We're in week four of this series on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, over the past few weeks, we've looked at this outline that Jesus provided for his disciples and, and for us on, uh, on how to pray effectively. Now, I have a friend who, who bought a mattress from Costco, and it was one of those foam mattresses. I don't know if you guys have bought these, but they, they come in a box that's about like this. And when you open the box up and you take that mattress out, it takes about 15 minutes to breathe and expand. And before long, that box becomes a king-size mattress. I don't, anybody ever see, seen those? Okay, all right. Now, so if you have that picture in your head, that's really what we're talking about here with the Lord's Prayer is we're, we're taking it out of the box we're letting it unfold, letting it breathe, letting it expand a little bit and, and kind of becoming in full measure what Jesus intended it to be, this outline of prayers. We dive into it. We discover that it's not just full of richness and beauty, but it's actually very filled with focus and strategy as well because Jesus tells us what we should start with when we pray. He tells us what we should pray about he tells us the things that we should be focusing on as we go to our Father in heaven. And if you're like most people and you struggle with praying for more than five minutes at a time, this prayer becomes a beautiful and effective outline to be able to spend good time really communing with the Lord. And so today we're, uh, I'm going to read for you the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 and 13, and we're going to cover this a few times today. I'm glad that Pastor Drew covered it for us once. I'm going to read it for you again, and at the end of our service, we're going to recite it once again because the, the fullness of what we're talking about here is not something that we're just going to recite off of a screen, but it's something that we need to engage our heart with. We're going to need to engage our heart with this. Let me read this for you. Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, today's topic is a challenging one, for sure. And it's challenging for a, for a few reasons, and that's because it's very personal, it's oftentimes very painful, and it's very prevalent. Today, we're talking about forgiveness. And Jesus instructs us to pray, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Many Bible translations, and possibly the one that you're using today, says, forgive us our debts. And that word debt is an accounting term. It means that there is a deficit in your account. Other versions of Scripture, possibly the one that you have, again, uses the word trespasses. The word means to commit an offense against someone. Or as one particular four-year-old prayed during the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. 
And as we'll discover in our message today, this little girl's prayer was probably spot on. If you put these two English words together that I just mentioned, trespasses and debts, you begin to get an understanding for the word sin that we use in our version today. When you commit an offense against someone and you now owe a debt. The Greek word for debt that's used here in the Lord's Prayer is only used twice in the New Testament. And the other time that it's used, we'll get to in Matthew chapter 18. But there is a second word for debt that's used in the New Testament. It's used many times, and that Greek word is to, to, um, to have a loan that you can repay. In other words, you intentionally took out a debt, and you have the means to pay that debt back. That would be something like a car loan or a mortgage on your home, a loan that you have the means to repay. But the Greek word here that's used in the Lord's Prayer for, for this word debt is a loan that is justly due, but you cannot afford. You have no means to repay this kind of debt. Scripture says that we all have a debt that we cannot pay, and that debt is sin. And so in this portion of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us that we should be asking the Father to forgive us of that debt that we could never repay, and that we would forgive others of debts that they could never repay. And I want you to see something here as we start in our, our sermon today. This part of the Lord's Prayer is about getting your heart right in two different places. It's about getting your heart right with God, and it's about getting your heart right with people. So we're going to look deeper into this passage today. This very first phrase that Jesus uses in our, our section today, forgive us our sins. As we're praying to our Heavenly Father, that we would pray regularly, Lord, Forgive us of our sins. And when we pray these words, we're praying that I believe and receive God's forgiveness. That's the first notes for you today. I believe and receive God's forgiveness. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. Very clearly, very purposefully, the thing that comes first in this petition is the request that our Father would forgive our sins. And, and Jesus doesn't use the word if. There are no ifs about it. He doesn't say, if you have sinned, then pray for forgiveness. We, we all have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious plan. Jesus compels us to own up to it. Now listen, we've all fallen short. And we need to own up to it. We need to admit it. We need to confess it. We are born with a sinful nature. But the good news is that God, in his grace, forgives our sins. He erases that debt, and he gives us new life. So when we pray, Lord, forgive me, God opens up our account, and he removes our sin, and he erases that debt that we could never repay. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19 with me, if you would. It says, all of this is from God. Paul is talking about this new life that God offers us. All this is from God, who was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins 
against them. Some translations use the word imputing. It's another accounting term that means crediting. There is no longer a negative sin credit in your account. God took all of the sin out of your account and placed it on Christ, Scripture says. And there's a big doctrinal word that we use sometimes for this. The word is propitiation. Propitiation. Romans 3.25 tells us Jesus was the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation means that this unpayable debt was paid. Our unpayable debt was transferred out of our account and Jesus paid it for us. Can I get an amen on that? That is what forgiveness is. An unpayable debt was transferred out of our account by God the Father and it was paid in full by Jesus Christ, his son. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, God is able to forgive our sins, but that's not all he does. Scripture then says that when we place our belief in God, he actually deposits something into our account where the debt used to be. Listen to this. He places righteousness in your account. Here's what Scripture says in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. He's talking about Abraham. It tells us Abraham believed God and it was counted or credited or imputed to him as righteousness. When we believe in God and we receive his forgiveness, God removes our sin and he replaces it with righteousness. He opens our account, he takes the debt out, and he places righteousness in there. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, to be the offering for our sin, to be the propitiation for our sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now there's another important element in this passage that we're looking at today, and I want you to write this down in your notes as well because I don't want to assume this and I don't want to miss this, and that is this. I receive God's forgiveness by confessing my sins. How do I receive God's forgiveness? By confessing it, by owning up to it, as we talked earlier, as Jesus said, to, to admit it, to confess our sins to the Father. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He, God, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come to the Lord and we, we own up to it and we confess and we say, God, I've fallen short. I made a mistake. And I need your forgiveness. Scripture tells us that God opens our account once again. He opens our account. He reaches in and he removes that unpayable debt and Jesus handles it. And then God takes righteousness and he places it in our account. Now, if there's anybody in this room today that doesn't recognize that you are living a life that you do not deserve, you're not understanding what grace is. That God says, I'll handle your debt for you. You just need to own it. You just need to confess this. Ask me to take care of it. I sent my son Jesus to take care of this debt. He is the propitiation, the payment for your unpayable debt. No matter the sin, God's grace is greater. And so confessing your sins, 
and receiving God's forgiveness then restores your relationship with the Father, puts you back into right standing. Here, I want to move on to the second part of, of today's passage because we're probably going to need to camp out here a little bit. Jesus said to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. When you pray that phrase, as we forgive those who sin against us, you are saying, I forgive and release others. I choose to forgive and release others. This portion of the prayer is about getting right with people. The first portion was about getting right with God, and now Jesus turns the dial just a little bit, and now it's about getting right with people. Every day I pray, Lord, forgive me, but I know that there are people who've done things against me. They've offended me. They've hurt me. And so I also pray, Lord, I forgive them right now. I'm not going to carry that offense. I'm not going to carry that hurt. I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm releasing it to you. I'm releasing them to you. And I want to tell you, sometimes it's advantageous for you to forgive people in advance. Let me explain. If you know that you're headed into an unhealthy situation, if you know that you're about to meet with an unhealthy individual, if you know that you're going into a very tense meeting, there's times when I've prayed, Lord, I forgive anyone in advance. I forgive anyone in advance that would say or do anything personally against me. And you would be absolutely amazed at the grace that God extends to you in those situations when you pray that in advance. And you'd also be amazed at the number of people that notice how are you able to have so much grace? And I'm thinking inside, it's because I already forgave you. <laughs> I already forgave you in advance before coming here. See, this word forgive actually means to release a debt. The debt that we talked about, the unpayable debt. When you forgive someone, you're releasing that debt. And here's something I want you to really grab a hold of today. You and I were not created to hold it. We were not created to carry sin. We were not created to carry debt. We cannot handle the weight of our own sin. And we cannot handle the weight of other sin against us. We were never created to carry that. Only Jesus can. Listen, sometimes we hold on to things that are so bad for us. They're so harmful for us. When we harbor unforgiveness, when we refuse to release something, we're actually hurting ourselves far more than anyone else. You were not created to carry that. That's why scripture tells us to give it to the Lord and he cast all of it upon the only one who can carry it for us and that's Jesus. That's your sin and that's the sin that others have committed against you. That's why it's so important to ask for forgiveness and extend forgiveness on a regular basis. And I say do it every day. Get rid of that sin. Get rid of that weight. You were not meant to 
to carry it. Now, it's important for us to note that these two phrases that we're looking at today are connected by a conjunction. And if ever you wanted to dislike grammar, today would be the day to do that. Because there is a conjunction, the word as, that ties these two phrases together. They are dependent upon one another. These two phrases are dependent upon one another. Let me explain. Right after the Lord's Prayer, immediately following the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Amen, to the Lord's Prayer, and his very next words out of his mouth were this. Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you don't release others from their debts, Jesus said, the Father won't release you from yours. Now, this is a very important part of the Lord's Prayer, but we don't like it. If there was one word that we could strike from the Lord's Prayer and it would make our humanity feel much better, it would be the word as. We don't like the phrase, the first phrase, to be dependent upon the second phrase. We don't like them to be joined together. But these are the words of Jesus. And so we can't just ignore the second part of this or change it so that it fits neatly into some kind of a box that we want it to fit into. And the box that we would like it to fit into is one in which God's forgiveness for our sin is completely disconnected from our forgiveness for those who sin against us. But if we pray that way, if we pray that, that God would forgive our debts without connecting our willingness to forgive others of their debts, we're not praying the prayer that Jesus did. We're praying our own version of it. We're changing things. And I would suggest that if, if we're confused about this part of the prayer, it's not because this passage is confusing. It's because it says something that we don't want it to say. That our forgiveness is dependent upon our forgiving. Jesus shows us in this prayer that, that we're to take care of our forgiveness first. That we would get right with the Lord. But here's the thing that we need to understand. What comes first cannot be separated from what comes second. We are forgiven so that we can be forgiving. In other words, God calls us to get right with people. And Jesus knows that Christians are not going to live together in perfect harmony. Can I just get a, a somber amen on that? <laughs> Jesus knows that within this body, though we love one another, we're not going to always get along in perfect harmony. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be ugliness within the body. In fact, Scripture shows us that the body will treat each other terribly at times. And unless God's people are able to apply the forgiveness that they've received, unless they're able to turn around and extend the very same grace that they've received, then the community, the body, will suffer and divide. You've received forgiveness from God. 
So now extend forgiveness to others. Jesus said, freely you've received, therefore freely give. Let's think about that. You cannot earn forgiveness from God, can you? You cannot earn it, and you cannot make other people earn it from you. Forgiveness is an act of grace. It's undeserved. It's been freely given, and you're called to freely give. Now, in your, in your own life, in my own life, there have been times when I've said, I've forgiven them, but you don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. I would suggest that you need to get your butt in the right place. <laughs> Listen to me. If the reality is that they hurt you deeply, but I've chosen to forgive them. It's not ignoring reality. It's just getting your butt in the right place. Now, I do get it, okay? Listen, I get this. Forgiving those who have sinned against us is not easy. How many of you guys are on the same page with me? It's not easy, okay? As long as we live in this body of sin, Scripture tells us we have to consciously choose to not hold offense because offense will come. My guess is, hold on, I'm using an illustration here. My guess is that some of you are offended that I'm wearing blue jeans today. Okay? Offense will come. You choose whether or not you're going to hold on to it or not. Hurt will come. Some of you might be hurt that I just brought that up. Listen, hurt will come, but as long as we're living in this body, we're going to have to consciously choose to not hold offense and not hold on to the hurts that come our way. The point here is that a lot of times we get offended and we get hurt, and the greater that hurt is, the greater the wrong that's done against us, the more difficult it is to forgive. And even though we would pray with all sincerity, we may very well struggle a great deal spiritually and emotionally for weeks or months or even years after that offense has happened. And it's important that we recognize there's a difference between the emotions of forgiveness and the act of forgiveness. Just because we may not be totally healed or totally free of the pain of being wronged, it doesn't mean that we can't forgive the one who has sinned against us. It may take time to heal. In fact, forgiveness and healing are two very different things. That's a whole other sermon. They're very different things, but they're both embraced in this word sozo that Jesus brings for us. This Greek word sozo, which means wholeness. Forgiveness and healing are two very different things. They're both available through Christ. But you can choose forgiveness, and healing oftentimes takes time. And you guys know that's true. But Jesus said this. He said, pray, forgive us as we forgive others. So you might ask, this might be a question for you. How often? How, how many times 
do I need to forgive others? And the good thing is you're not the first person to ask that question. In fact, Scripture tells us that uh, in Matthew chapter 18, Peter came to him, came to Jesus, and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times, which was actually like an offer of grace, like if they sin against me and I say, you're forgiven, and they come again and I say, it's all right, you're forgiven, and they come again and I say, it's all right, you're forgiven. Are you getting me? Like, this is a long time. They come again and say, I am forgiven. That's only four times. They come again, you're forgiven. They come again, you're forgiven. They come again. Like, Peter is saying, should, should we offer a, a, a lot of grace seven times? And Jesus' response is no. Seventy times seven. Now, some of the older biblical manuscripts use this phrase, 77-fold. And maybe your, maybe your translation says that. But I think it's actually very significant because it's connected to an Old Testament phrase that was well-known in those days. And in fact, we still refer to its meaning today. Let me tell you where this came from. Lamech was a descendant of Cain. And he was speaking in the book of Genesis about this young man that had offended him. And he was confessing. He was saying, so I killed the man. And then he stood up defiantly, and he said this in Genesis 4.24. He said, Cain is repaid sevenfold, but Lamech, I will be avenged seventy-sevenfold. Now see if, if this is something that's familiar to you. This phrase carried this meaning, if you mess with me, you're going to regret it. If you mess with me, you'll get way more than you can handle. How many of you guys have heard that or you felt it before? See, Jesus took this phrase and he, he flipped the phrase around and he said, that's, that's how you should forgive. If, if, if you mess with me, you're going to get way more grace than you could ever handle. Listen, because I'm over the top when it comes to forgiveness. Not just a few times, not just 70 times. If you mess with me, you're going to get way more grace and forgiveness than you could ever comprehend. Peter, that's how you should forgive. See, God extends this boundless grace to us in our sin. Boundless, immeasurable. You could not measure it. Inexhaustible. It never ends. God extends boundless grace to us in our sin. And our grace should be boundless in other sin against us. We're forgiven and we're forgiving. That little word as has so much meaning in this passage today. As we confess our sins and we freely receive God's grace, then we're able to daily forgive others by extending that same grace to them. Jesus said, forgive us our debts, unpayable. Forgive us those sins. As we forgive our debtors, those who sinned against us, they could never make it back up. They could never repay us for the harm that they've, that they've brought. But I release them the same way that Jesus has released me. Forgive us as we forgive others. This is such an anchor to this prayer, guys. 
It's such an important part. Listen, if you didn't pray this prayer every day, but you did take time to say, Jesus, today I'm going to own up to the fact that I made some mistakes. And I ask that you'd forgive me. And I'm going to forgive everybody right now who has sinned against me. And I might even forgive some who have yet to sin against me in the near future. I'm going to reach forward. I'm going to offer more grace than people could ever handle. More forgiveness than they could ever comprehend. You mess with me, you're going to get forgiven over and over and over. And I'm going to model the grace that Jesus shows me every single day. All of this begins with confessing our sins, receiving God's grace, his forgiveness in our own lives. And if you've never taken the opportunity to do that, I want to give you an opportunity to do it today before we close. If you're here today and you would say, I've certainly made my fair share of mistakes in life and I'm ready to own up to that. And I want to invite Jesus to take the lead now. It doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect from this day forward, but it does mean that I'm going to be underneath his grace from this day forward. And I need him to be at the very center of my life. If that's you today, I want to invite everybody just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I invite you to pray this prayer with me today. You can say, God, I thank you for your great, great grace and love in my life. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the debt that I could never pay. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin today. Give me a brand new life with you at the center. Give me the strength to follow you from this day forward. And it's in your gracious name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, there's something that we'd like to do as a church family. And that's this. I'd like to invite you to uh, take your connection card. On the back of that card is a box that just says yes. It's a real simple thing for us. But what we would like to ask, we want to to be a church family. We want to be like a real loving body that Jesus talked about. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to support you. And we want to celebrate you. And so I'd like to invite you to take that card, check the box, and just put your name on it. And there's two ways that you could get that to us. One of them is is this. In just a few moments at the end of our service, we're going to have some prayer teams up here just praying for any need that you guys would have today. And if you would take that card and hand it to one of those prayer teams today, they would love to just pray for you right now. If that feels like a, a really big step, if it's something that keeps you from giving that card to us because we really want to be able to pray over you, then I would encourage you to do this. As you leave today, there's a welcome center right out these doors, and on that welcome center is a box, and you can just drop the the card in there, and it's it's just kind of a, a silent way to get that information to us, but we'll be praying over you this week. And again, we wanna be able to celebrate this decision that you made to follow Christ. In fact, would we take a moment today and just celebrate those who prayed that prayer? So as we close now, this is going to be the third time that we've prayed this prayer. You've prayed it once. I read it once. There's a difference between reading it and praying it. Today I want us to join together 
and pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Those words are going to be on the screen for us. But that we would engage our hearts, not just our minds, but our hearts. And as we get to each one of these phrases, that our heart would be speaking this to our Heavenly Father. Jesus prayed, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.